Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. Originally, we had recorded this week's episode on the impact of the Inflation Reduction Act and the potential PBM Transparency Act. But like our tagline says, the only constant in the healthcare industry is change. We'll release that episode later this month, but given the news late last week, I'm back on the mic with Dynamics' Mindy McGrath and Ryan Hummel to talk about what's trending now. The second half of last week was certainly a busy one in terms of healthcare news. The Senate voted to overturn the COVID-19 national emergency order, which along with the public health emergency was already set to wind down on May 11th. This would result in the termination of healthcare waivers for things like allowing hospitals to screen patients for COVID off campus, or even the requirement for Medicare Advantage plans to cover services at out-of-network facilities. But that's not even our biggest story of the week. So Mindy, let's start out with the big one. What happened in Texas that triggered this re-record? A Texas judge who we are familiar with because we have seen the role that he has played in previous hearings that challenged the Affordable Care Act, invalidated an element of the Affordable Care Act called the Preventative Services Mandate. So Justice Reed O'Connor issued this decision last Thursday in a case of Braidwood versus the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that challenged this idea of preventing the government from enforcing I would say one of the Affordable Care Act's most significant and probably one of the most popular features, which is a requirement that all insurers must cover certain preventative care services without asking patients to pay anything out of pocket. Originally, this challenge was really focused on different types of HIV services, and the judge's ruling actually expanded it further to include all prevention services. Part of of the ruling was that in his opinion, the Preventative Services Task Force, which identified, makes recommendations on which types of medical activities could qualify as prevention services, does not have the actual authority because they are not appointed by Congress. This obviously creates a lot of news when an element of the Affordable Care Act comes under duress again through the judicial system. So, Next up, we're going to obviously see that the the government has already appealed and asked for a stay, and that that stay will hopefully be continued until the appeal is likely heard. I expect that we will see this once again, as with almost every ACA challenge, hunted up to the Supreme Court to be heard. And with a different court makeup, we will have to see where they land. When you hear the name Reed O'Connor as a judge, it's someone we've heard before. And he's issued rulings in the last six or seven years that really are consistent against the Obama administration's execution of the Affordable Care Act. In August of 2016, he issued a ruling on the government's interpretation of the rules around Title IX. And later in 2016, he connected the Affordable Care Act around the violation of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. He also has ruled that the First Amendment and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act provided religious employers an exemption of some of the details of the Affordable Care Act. Year after year, we're seeing this judge be consistent on his opinion 
on the Affordable Care Act. And this is no different. Yeah, he's definitely looking to play on a national scale. You know, back in September, he released his sort of initial opinion on the case proper, right, and sided with Braidwood in this specific situation, but was holding off on his final ruling until he could get a further briefing on the proper scope. And in his decision last week, he held that it should apply across the entire country, not just in this specific case and not just in Texas. And just to give our listeners kind of a scope of this impact, right? You know, Mindy said that this is a wildly popular provision of the Affordable Care Act, but it is quite a prolific one as well. Over the years, the task force has given more than 50 services an A or B rating, which requires that they be covered with no cost sharing from patients. And this includes things like screenings for depression and cancer, smoking cessation medications, and like Mindy mentioned, the PrEP therapies for HIV. And over 62% of Americans do favor this. And this impacts the 150 million individuals enrolled in private health plans and the 80 million individuals with Medicare or Medicaid that have benefited from the policy. An important caveat is that this doesn't fully eliminate the, the coverage of preventive services. It really just kind of puts us back in a time machine to wipe the record on anything that's been approved since the Affordable Care Act task force was stood up in 2010. So it does create kind of this interesting dynamic too, where employers are kind of retrofitted back into older forms of the medical guidance. So you think of things like colorectal cancer screenings before 2010, it was recommended for individuals 50 and above. We know now that it's recommended for individuals in their 40s. And with sort of the rising rates of colorectal cancer we've seen over the last decades in younger individuals can have a really tangible impact on how early things like that are, are caught if people skip their screenings because they have to take on more of that cost from their own pocket. I would just add that much like the other challenges that we've seen to the Affordable Care Act, not something set in stone. Obviously, the appeals will go through the circuit courts, and then I would expect eventually make its way up to the Supreme Court for determination on whether it's going to be heard or not. And the other thing I think to, to keep in mind is that if this were to be a ruling that's upheld, employers can still make the decision on how they want to cover these types of preventative screenings and whether there would be any out-of-pocket costs associated with them. And plans that are already locked into their contract year would not make those changes immediately. So, you know, I do think it is newsworthy because anything associated with what has been considered the law of the land for close to 13 years, we know is going to have a lot of energy around it. So I do think that's just something to keep in, in mind right now is this still has to play its way out through the courts. And we know that that can take some time to either be upheld and or struck down and what the implications of that either way look like. We will, we will have to see over time how things play themselves out through the judicial process. Great points, Mindy. There is some encouraging data from employers that 80% of them are still planning to cover these preventive services going forward, but that does leave up to a fifth of Americans potentially facing cost shifting, right? And we know that when this happens, 
it disproportionately affects the poor, those with multiple chronic conditions and communities of color from getting that care that they need. We have to see what will happen, right? Even outside of these judicial mechanisms in place, you know, there are other steps that could be taken when we think of state intervention, which we've seen a lot as there have been some overturning of things like Roe through Dobbs. But in this case, states will be somewhat limited in terms of what they can do for the self-insured employer market, which does cover 64% of individuals. And there is potential legislative action as well, right? The, the hinging of this case really stays on that preventive services task force. And if this decision rights were sort of transferred to the Secretary of Health and Human Services going forward, it would meet the legal requirements laid out by this case. Jen and Mindy, another big news item that happened in a very busy week of healthcare news is the fact that CMS announced that they are raising Medicare Advantage pay rates by over 3% in 2024. And we have talked often on this podcast around Medicare Advantage and its blossoming popularity. And it's steadily gained popularity among seniors in the United States with more than 30 million folks signing up just this past coverage year. It's a big news. It's CMS said the revised rates would indicate nearly $14 billion increases into payments for MA or Medicare Advantage plans next year. And with all news, there are people on both sides of the fence on if this is good or bad. Several provider groups had some issues because there was a removal of some 2,000 diagnostic codes that would presumably change or limit the way we treated some dual eligibles. But we're told that the goal of the coding removals was to pay the Medicare Advantage plans a little more accurately, make it a little more simple, and that the changes won't affect all. So you think about it, a lot of our commercial health insurances that have Medicare Advantage plans, Humana, Centene, United, Cigna, Elevance, Clover Health, all the ones we've talked about before, I'm guessing they're probably pleased with this increase. So that's that's some big news because we were not expecting a 3.3% increase. Yeah, Ryan, that's right. We were so not expecting that type of increase. And, you know, I would think that plans are are pretty satisfied, especially their contention has been that government payment rates affect how much they charge rates for monthly premiums, the type of plan benefits. But I think ultimately it's also about how much they profit in the Medicare Advantage space. And you think about the 65 plus million people that are enrolled in some form of the Medicare program and how that is going to continue to grow. And I think plans position on this has been that those payment rates are going to have a direct impact right on how we either pull that through to our members in terms of their their out-of-pocket costs and their monthly premiums, as well as the types of benefits we need to think about going forward. So I would say that this was a surprise. The other point of all of this too, is that it's not going to be an immediate 3.3% increase and that that payment will phase in over a three-year period rather than all at once, which will lessen some of the immediate effects when it comes to the Medicare payment element of this and how much is going out of Medicare's coffers when it comes to addressing how to fund this sort of payment increase for plans that are operating in the Medicare Advantage space. Thanks, Mindy and Ryan, for taking our listeners through these important stories. Like I said, at the top of 
the episode. We will be back with two trending news episodes this month, releasing that great content we recorded about the PBM Transparency Act and the Inflation Reduction Act later this month. But this episode is an illustration of why we say that the only constant in the healthcare industry is change. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.